I'm going to start with a, uh, a story I heard recently on the Moth podcast. For those of you who are uh, familiar with this podcast, there's a, a told by a lady named Tamara Jenkins. Uh, and Tamara said that at a very early age, her parents divorced her father. They lived on the East Coast. Her father moved to California, and so she and her brother were there with her mother. But then one Christmas, um, she got up Christmas morning, and there were all these huge Christmas presents under the tree. And five or six of them had her name on them, and she couldn't imagine what these were. And so she opened them, and there were a set of luggage. And she said, Mom, this is beautiful, but, but what's up with the luggage? And her mom said, well, if somebody's going on a big trip, they need appropriate luggage. And she said, well, who's going on a trip? And her mom said, you are. Uh, your father never helps me take care of you, so I'm sending you to live with him in California. Merry Christmas. Um, and so she moves. To, she and her brother moves to California, uh, live with her dad for the next 10 years. Uh, and by this time, she's 15, her brother's 11, her dad's 68. And uh, at this point, her dad's girlfriend says to her dad, look, I'll, I'll make you a deal. Uh, you can move in with me in my, uh, I can't remember, it's a house or condo in my gated commun- community with a swimming pool and shuffleboard and gym and amenities and all this stuff if you leave the children behind. Or you can stay in your little ratty house with your kids. And her father left the children and moved in uh, with his girlfriend. 18 years later, uh, Tamara is now 33, and she gets a phone call from her dad's girlfriend's daughter who lives in Hawaii. And she says all their messages from her started with aloha. Uh, She says, aloha, we want you to know that our mother had a stroke. Uh, and we've had to hire 24-hour care for her. And by the way, your dad isn't doing well either. He's walking around the house without any clothes on, and you guys never come to see him. And we don't think it's fair that we're paying this home health care worker to take care of our mom and your dad too. And by the way, he's in the hospital right now. So Tamara and her brother fly to California. Uh, they meet with a home health care worker. They work things out where they're going to pay him to take care of her dad. They go to the hospital to, to see her dad, and, and the first thing her dad says is, is where the blank have you been? Get me the heck out of here. And so they, they get him back to his house. They go back to the hotel. They're, they're going to fly back to Boston. And they get a call from her dad's girlfriend's daughter again. And she says, Aloha, uh, my mother died, and we're selling the house. Good luck. Aloha. Um, And so now her father has no place to live. And so Tamara and her brother decide they're going to take him back to the East Coast, uh, place him in a nursing home there. And so they kind of have this traumatic journey back through security at the airport. He's in a wheelchair. It's it's difficult and awkward. They they get him on the plane. And at some point, they had put these suspenders on him in the hospital and she didn't think they really fit his personality, so she takes the suspenders off. And they get on the plane, and they get settled, and the beverage cart's coming down the aisle, and her dad has to go to the bathroom. And so she kind of has to, to walk him down the aisle because you can't get wheelchairs in the aisles of airplanes. And she's walking him down the aisle, and she realizes at some point his, his pants have fallen down in the middle of the airplane. He's just standing there, you know, just horribly embarrassed in front of everybody. She gets his pants back up. She gets into the bathroom, she gets him into the bathroom, and she's standing there with the the door open, and she says, 
Dad, can I do anything else for you? And he says, you can shut the, take the Lord's name in vain, door is what you can do for me. So they, they get him to Boston. They get him in the nursing home. She feels terrible about leaving him there, doesn't know what else to do. And as she's leaving, he says this, hey, don't forget to tip the girl on your way out because they expect that in a hotel like this. Now, I, I tell that story. We're, we're, we're looking at the fifth commandment this morning, honor your father and your mother. And I, I tell that story because I think it's a good picture of someone who's trying to figure out what it looks like to honor a father who hasn't been a very good father. And I tell that story because I think it's a realistic picture of the terrain that you and I are trying to navigate as we try to figure out what it means to actually honor our parents. Because the, the families that we live in are not necessarily leave it to beaver families or whatever your ideal you know, television show family is. They are families that are marked both by love and by sin. They're families that are marked by the sins of parents and that are marked by the sins of children. So for some of us to even suggest that I ought to honor my father or honor or my mother can be painful. And so I want to kind of acknowledge that on the front end and, and say this too. What I hope as we look at this this morning is I hope that you'll see respecting parental authority flows out of respecting God's authority. And I also hope that you'll see that beginning to forgive parents who have, who have abused their parental authority flows out of knowing a God who has forgiven you even though uh, you have rejected his authority at times. So let's read this. Um, I'll read it for us. Deuteronomy 5 and Ephesians 6. This is God's word. Honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God commanded you that your days may be long and that it may go well with you in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Let me pray for us. Uh, Father, I know we're uh, coming at this from, from different angles and from different life experiences as children as, and as parents. Uh, and so I, I pray that you'd help us to see the truth of this commandment and, and the value of this commandment and help us to, to figure out what it looks like uh, to carry this out in our uh, different circumstances of life. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, before I kind of jump into this, I want to kind of have a little, I want to just a little mini, mini sermon on the side. This is, this is free. Um, in the larger catechism, we use the shorter catechism sometimes. There's also this thing called the, the larger. I, I don't know why it's larger, not longer, but it's larger. There's more words. And when they talk about the fifth commandment, they say that father and mother refers not only to your biological father and mother, but in their words, it refers to all superiors in age and gifts, and especially such as by God's ordinance, are over us in places of authority, whether in family, church, or commonwealth. And so here's some examples of that. First Timothy 5, do not rebuke an older man harshly, but exhort him as if he were your father. Treat younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, and younger women as sisters with absolute purity. 
Leviticus 19.32 Rise in the presence of the aged, show respect for the elderly, and revere your God, I am the Lord. Uh, Genesis 4.32 Jubal was the father of all those who play the harp and the lute. He's, he's honored as uh, the creator, as the founder of this line of musical instruments. First uh, Peter 3.12 Submit yourself for the Lord's sake to every authority instituted among men, whether to the king as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. So one of the things I think you have to be mindful of, although we're not going to focus on this today, but one of the things you always have to be mindful of with this commandment is that we're called to honor those who God has placed in positions of authority in our life. Um, teachers, police officers, presidents, whoever that may be, that doesn't mean that we offer them unquestioned allegiance. And I can't, I can't nuance all of this right now. But the Bible sets a trajectory for honoring people who are older than us, people who have gifts that we don't have, uh, and people who are in actual positions of authority in our lives. And so part of what parents ought to be doing with children is teaching them a proper respect for authority in general. Because in, in teaching children a proper respect for authority in general, you're helping them to understand that we are, we are people who live under authority. And we are people who live under God's authority. All right, so that, all right, that's, that's just kind of free. It's a little extra for you to think about with this commandment. Now, what we're going to hone in on, um, actual relationships between parents and children. I want to talk about four things. I want to talk about the role of a parent in a, in a child's life. Talk about what it looks like to honor your father and your mother. Talk about why we fail at this, and then finally how we can begin to get it right. So first of all, the role of parents in the lives of their children. The fifth commandment, uh, when it instructs children to honor their parents, it's assuming that parents have been given a certain role and certain responsibility in their children's lives that obligates children to honor them. Now, what's the role that parents have been given in the lives of their children? Paul says here in Ephesians 6 that parents are to bring children up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. Uh, In other words, Jesus tells, tells us, go and make disciples. The Apostle Paul then says to us, and start with your children. Make disciples of your children. And there's a lot that goes into that, but I think, parents, if, if I could kind of sum this up in two things for us to hang our hat on this morning, I'd say we need to do this. Children, children need to be taught, number one, that they can't always get what they want, that they're under authority, and number two, that they're loved. That they can't always get what they want, but they are loved. Uh, we're in an elementary school. This school is filled with classrooms. All of these classrooms have rules. The children in these classrooms are obligated to obey the rules of the classroom if they expect to stay in the classroom. Uh, The world, in a sense, is God's classroom. We are students in his classroom. And what the scripture teaches us is that when we obey the rules of the classroom, so to speak, there's blessing to be found in that. And when we disobey, when we break the rules of the classroom, there are consequences for that. Uh, there are physical rules in God's world. If you stick your hand in, in the fire, it's going to get burned. 
You know, you may not, you may prefer not to think of fire in that way, but it doesn't really matter. That's what's going to happen if you stick your hand in fire. If you jump off a cliff, you're going to fall. If you pull out in front of a car, you're going to get run over. There, there are physical rules in this world that we live in. There are also moral rules, and there are consequences to breaking the moral rules of the universe. Lying has consequences. Stealing has consequences. Sexual immorality has consequences. And so as parents, what we want to do is to teach our children that there are rules from God that that we are obligated to keep and that they as children are under God's authority and that we as parents are also under God's authority and that there are consequences to breaking these rules that God has laid out for us and our children need to understand that there are consequences to this. This is one of the reasons, parents, we have to discipline our children. And let me say this, parents, if in disciplining your children, if you're always counting to three, one more time, all right, I'll give you one more time. Uh, if you're always bribing them with ice cream or, or always bribing them with an iPad or, or whatever it is, what we're teaching, is, uh, teaching our children is that they can get what they want if they hold out long enough and if they're stubborn enough. And so we have to train and discipline our children. And the scripture says, The discipline is painful, and it's painful for children, but I think it's painful for adults, too, for the parents, too, because it's a pain, and and you don't want to do it, and it's inconvenient, Uh, but God calls us to discipline our children. Uh, We have to correct them verbally. Uh, We have to correct them by taking away privileges. We have to correct them at certain stages in their lives through spanking them. Um, And I know that's like, I haven't talked about this in a while, and I know that's like, oh, controversial in our culture, but it's not controversial in the Bible at all. And so if you do have an issue with that, I'd encourage you to kind of work through that, through the lens of Scripture. Proverbs 13, whoever spares the rod hates his son. I mean, that's kind of direct language. But he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. Uh, Paul Tripp, I mean, excuse me, Ted Tripp in explaining why we need to correct our children says, there are things within the heart of the sweetest little baby that allowed to blossom and grow to fruition will bring about his eventual destruction. Uh, C.S. Lewis, in each of us, there is something growing which will be hell unless it is nipped in the bud. Proverbs 22, folly is bound up in the heart of a child. But the rod of discipline will drive it from him. And then Ted Tripp again says, The rod is not a matter of an angry parent venting his wrath upon a small helpless child. The rod is a faithful parent recognizing his child's dangerous state, employing a God-given remedy. Okay? So we have to, in all of our discipline, whatever form that takes, we are teaching our children that there are rules in the universe in God's universe, there are God's rules, and there are, there are consequences to breaking those rules. And I, and I think sometimes our failure, failure to discipline um, is because we don't recognize what Ted Tripp just said here, that, that our children are in a dangerous state when they continue to disobey God's rule. And we're like, ah, they're just kids. Now, there's, there's actually serious rebellion 
going, over, going on then that we need to address as parents. So you can't, get what you, you can't always get what you want. There, there are consequences to breaking rules. Uh, but as we are teaching our children this, as we're teaching them you can't always get what they want, we're also loving them. In fact, the reason we correct them, the reason we discipline them, is because we love them. Uh, the phrase here in verse 4, bring them up, Paul says, uh, actually means to nourish. Uh, it's the same word that Paul uses, the care that we give to our own body. Uh, it's the same word used to describe the devotion that Christ has for his church or that a husband has for his wife. And so Paul tells us, he tells fathers, you know, don't provoke your children. Don't domineer over them. Don't take this attitude of, I'm your dad, you better listen to me. Now, we're, we're not to do that as parents. We're not to guilt them or shame them or play favorites. But instead, he says, you're to, to love your children. You're to, to nourish them. Now, we can think of all kinds of ways we do that. We do this by saying, I love you. We do this by showing physical affection, by hugging them. We, we do this by encouraging them with the with the words that we say to them. We, we do this by being careful and loving when we do have to discipline them. We do this by celebrating them and not just celebrating their accomplishments, but actually celebrating them for who they are. We do this by checking our own tendency to be critical. You know, does, is your child going to remember you always coming in in the evening being aggravated with them about something or remember the love on your face that you showed to them just because you're happy to see them. Uh, we love them by spending time with them, by being interested in the things that they're interested in, by repenting when we sin against them, by reading the scriptures with them, by praying with them. And so we want to we teach our children um, that they can't always get what they want, but they are very much loved by us and loved by God. We don't just teach that. We have to demonstrate that. We have to live that out in front of them because they can see through our inconsistencies. They can see through our hypocrisy. Uh, Robin Williams, the, the late comedian, was once a, a student at Juilliard, and John Houseman, a, a famous actor, was in charge of the drama department at, at Juilliard. And one day, Robin Williams said, Houseman came in and he says, the theater needs you. Don't be tempted by television or by movies. The theater needs new plasma, new blood. And then Robin Williams say it, said a week later they saw him on a Volvo commercial. And so it's like he was living something very different from what he was actually saying. And so parents, it's not just that we are communicating information to our children. We have to be living out what it is we're preaching. We have to, we have to smoke what we're selling, okay? If, if, I, if I can put it that way. All right, we have to teach and demonstrate, sorry. We have to teach and demonstrate um, that you can't always get what you want, but that you, are, that you are loved, that you are loved by your parents and loved by God. Um, moms and dads, you are, you are in a position of inescapable influence in your children's lives. You're always discipling them. Like, you, you, you don't get a pass on that. No matter what you're doing, you're always discipling them. You're always shaping them in some way through your words and, and your actions and your, your inactions. 
And so our goal in this ought to be able to produce uh, disciples of Jesus who can go out into the world knowing, yes, I am under authority, but yes, I am also loved. And and here's what I think happens is you kind of teach those two things or, or what hopefully is happening. Your children are learning, I'm not at the center of the universe. I'm under authority. I don't like being under authority. My rejection of authority has consequences, but I'm also loved. And that's preparing them to hear this gospel about a God who, even though we have rejected his authority, has come after us and has loved us. So you might say you could sum up everything I just said in a lot less time by saying our role as parents is to point them to Jesus. It's to prepare them to hear the gospel. It's, it's to, to lay the groundwork in place so that they can hear the gospel and so that the gospel makes sense to them. Now, okay, so that's, that's kind of this commandment from the, from the parent side, what parents are supposed to be doing. How are children supposed to be responding to their parents? Uh, the Hebrew word that's translated honor here in the ESV is the word kabod. It can be translated glory. Uh, it carries the idea of weightiness. Now, we heard this just a couple of weeks ago when we talked about the third commandment. We're not to take God's name in vain because God's name is weighty. It's weighty. And so we honor God and we honor his name. In a similar way, God has placed parents in a very weighty position in their children's lives. And so children ought to honor the weight that their parents have been given. We're not to think, children, you're you're not to think, oh, my parents are so old. They don't don't know anything. They don't know anything about my life. I don't know how they could possibly help me with anything. Susan's uh, dad used to tell me, he used to say, I hope I live long enough to see you get stupid. And, And what he meant by this was like when your kids are five, they think you're the greatest thing in the world. And when they're 15 or 16, they, that may not necessarily be the case. All right, they're starting to, to question your greatness a little bit. And the fifth commandment is actually pushing back that attitude that can start to grow up in the heart of a child. Uh, and so what I want to do just for a minute is list maybe some practical ways for children to honor parents. And note-taking people, you'll like this part. Um, the rest of you maybe not so much, but, but let me, let me kind of caveat this because of the way, um, some of our parents may have sinned against us. Thinking through this can be tricky. Thinking through this can be painful. Some of your parents may have, um, neglected you. Some of your parents may have even, uh, abused you. And it may be the case that you don't, you don't have a relationship and there doesn't really need to be. A relationship and so thinking about how to honor them is is kind of like from another world and where you have to start in that case is thinking through what does it even mean for me to forgive them and to think about possibly having a relationship with them could I have a relationship with them and so I think that starts with talking to a counselor talking to a pastor talking to Matt or Ivy talking to Coleman uh, just to just to think through what that even starts to look like so that's kind of my that's my caveat before I uh, give some suggestions on how we honor parents. Number one, we should be thankful for our parents. We honor our parents by being thankful for our parents. Uh, even in the best family, I think children have the ability to forget the sacrifices that our parents have made for us. 
They have fed us. They have clothed us. They have placed roofs over our heads. They have potty trained us, thank goodness. Um, and so we, we honor our parents by having a thankful attitude toward them and actually expressing gratitude toward them verbally uh, for what they've done for us. So, so we honor them by being thankful. Number two, we honor them by loving them. Now, love in the, in the scripture is primarily an action. So, so, so what are some of the ways we express love? Uh, we express love to our parents in the way that we speak to them. We express love to our parents by helping out before we are asked to help out. We express love by thinking about what they might want and not just what we want. Um, loving our parents, I think, looks like um, letting them into our lives. <clears throat> Dan Allender tells a story. He said his son was in seventh grade, and he never got to play much. Uh, it, it was lacrosse, and uh, he got sent in late in the game to play goalie, and, and they were getting killed, and they didn't win, but he played great. And, he, and so everybody's kind of celebrating how, how great he played and congratulating him. And Allender said he went up after the game and he, he put his hand on his son's shoulder and he just kind of shrugged his hand off his shoulder. He was, he was too cool for his dad to touch him in front of all of his friends. And so then they got in the car and, and Dan Allender said he told his son how proud he was of him. And then he played great. And then he asked what the coach said after the game and, and his son just said, nothing. He didn't, he didn't say anything. And Allender said this. He said, I so wanted to join his joy, but he persisted in holding on to it without my intrusion. I felt isolated and hurt. And what was the, the son failing to do in that moment? Was he, he was failing to share a part of his life with his dad. Now, children, youth, one of the ways you honor your parents is by sharing your lives with them and opening up to them and not keeping them at a distance all the time. Uh, number three, we honor our parents by knowing our parents. All right, it's, it's a lot easier to honor somebody if you actually know them. And so, kids, I encourage you to, to um, ask your parents questions. Be interested in their lives. Ask them what their life was like growing up. Ask them what music they listened to, if they had music when they were kids. You know, uh, um, <laughs> Uh, uh, what format did you listen to this, this music on? What is a record? What is a cassette? What is a cassingle? That's your word for the day, cassingle. See what that is. All right, I asked them when they were a kid, what, what did they want to be when they grew up? Kids, b- before, your par- b- uh, before you came along, your parents actually had lives. And, and some of them were actually kind of interesting. Um, and so, so ask them about that. Be interested in them. Look for ways to spend time with them. Hey, will you, you know, go for a walk with me. Take me fishing. What it, it, whatever it is. Uh, 30 years from now, kids, you'll, you'll be glad that you built a relationship with your parents. Fourthly, uh, obey your parents. This is the main thing we think about when we read this. Uh, and Paul says it explicitly. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Uh, Children, parents are the God-given, God-placed authority in your life. And so what this means is you obey your parents. And, you know, this sounds pretty simple, right? Unless your parents instruct you to do something that is immoral, something that goes against God's law, 
then you ought to obey them. If they tell you to go rob a bank, then you say, no, I'm, I'm not going to do that, okay? Uh, but, but as long as they're telling you something that's in keeping with Scripture, you are supposed to obey your parents. And, and you do that the first time they tell you to do this, and you try to do this without whining. You try to, you try to do this with a good attitude. Um, I'm going to tell another story. Susan's dad said when they were, would go camping and the kids would start grumbling, uh, and, and he's military, and he, said, he, would say, he would just say, attitude check. And everybody knew what that meant. They had to say, the four kids at that point had to say, we like it here, we love it here, we found ourselves a home here, sir. Okay? <laughs> and so... And so that was, that was the kind of their attitude check. Like our, our attitudes matter in our uh, obedience. Now, obviously, this looks different as kids get older, right? O- obedience looks different for a three-year-old and a, and a, and a 12-year-old. Um, you know, your, your toddler doesn't get to question why you said don't run out into traffic. Uh, your 12-year-old can start to ask questions Start asking the why question in a respectful way. Um, and so you, you begin life totally under your parents' authority. But the goal is that you're not going to stay there forever. You're going to move out and, and actually be able to move into a place where you are, you are no longer under their authority. That doesn't mean you just ignore them. You still treat them with honor. You still treat them with respect. Um, but they don't call you and tell you what to do anymore. Like, my mom doesn't call me and say, Justin, you need to clean up your room. Okay? She, she probably should, um, but, but she doesn't do that. And so you're trying to, you're, you're, you start out completely obeying your parents. And you're trying to, to, to move your children to this place where they can be on their own and families of their own. Um, fifthly, be truthful with your parents. And that means more, I think, than just not lying, but, but learning to confide in them talk to them and parents you have to work to create this environment but kids you know you um the things you're struggling with your parents struggle with too uh, the, the 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 things that you have questions about your parents had questions about too and so go and and talk to them about these things um, a, a few other things we ought to listen to our parents Proverbs 23 listen to your father who gave you life and do not despise your mother when she is old uh, show respect to our parents I know in the south we do that through yes ma'am and no ma'am you don't have to do that that's just a cultural thing but there ought to be some way in which children are showing respect to their parents uh, I don't know what number we're on I'm going to say six um, Children, pray for your parents. That's a great way to honor your parents. Uh, First Timothy tells us to pray for those who are in authority over us. Children, your parents are in authority over you, and we need a lot of help figuring this thing out. We don't always know what in the world we're doing. We're we're winging it more than we want to admit. And so, children, you ought to be praying for your parents. And then the last thing I'll say as a way to honor your parents, um, bear with their infirmities. Forgive their weaknesses. Every person in this room, no matter how good or how bad your parents were, there are things that you wish your parents had done better. And every one of our children will have things that they wish we had done better. 
We're all messing up our children in, in different ways, okay? And so we have, to, we have to bear with one another's weaknesses and forgive each other and be thankful for the gospel, be thankful for Jesus. So, all right, the way this is designed is for parents to teach and to train their children and for children to respond to this teaching and training with obedience and with love and with respect. But it's, it's broken, right? Like, it, it doesn't always work right, this. We fail as parents. We fail as children. Moms or dads leave, and we have no idea why they've left. Or we do know, but we can't understand it. Children break into the liquor cabinet and get drunk and crash the car and, and cuss out their parents. Dads are um, absent emotionally sometimes, even when they're present physically grandparents have messed up so badly that parents can't even let them be involved in the kids lives or maybe there's such unresolved conflict with parents and the grandparents that they won't let them be involved in their kids lives children ignore what their parents say and say i you know i'm just going to do what i want to do i'm not going to do what you say i'm not going to do what god says parents love their children but they're scared to discipline them Because they're living for their children's love and they're scared if I discipline them, they may not love me. Or on the flip side of that, parents discipline their children, but they fail to love them. And some parents fail to do both. The world is broken by sin. Our own sin, parents' sin, children's sin. Um, We don't live well under authority. We don't exercise authority well sometimes. We all want to go our own way. We all want to do our own thing. We sin and we've been sinned against and we respond sinfully to being sinned against. You ever need like a ball of twine or a ball of string for something? And it's been down in the basement or the storage room and you go and you pull it out of the box and it's just kind of all tangled around. Have you ever been fly fishing and you you cast and then it comes back and it wraps around the rod and around your head and around the person next to you. Um, There's a, there's a uh, pond up near Cherokee where people fish a lot near a campground and there's a power line by the pond. And if you go up there today, you will see about 500 lines and lures wrapped around this power line. It, It is a tangled up mess. We're like that. And our families are like that. We're a tangled up mess. And, and loving other people in our families and honoring people just isn't always easy. It's, it, it can be quite messy. So how do we begin to fix this? How do we begin to get this right? Well, it starts here. Uh, we need a story about a God who loves people who are tangled up messes. We need someone who knows us for who we are, who, who sees the mess that we are, and yet has determined, determined to love us and rescue us and untangle us. We need a story about a father who, even though we have refused to honor him, he has still loved us and sent his son into the world to die on a cross for our sins. To, to make us a part of a new family. To give us new fathers and new mothers and new brothers and new sisters 
where we're all tangled up messes and we're all in this together, but we're all loved. And we're all in the process of getting untangled. Um, Sammy Rhodes is the campus minister for RUF at the University of South Carolina, and his dad left him, I think it was in, left the family when he was in middle school. And Sammy says he remembers going to see Finding Nemo when it first came out at the theater. And, you know, the, the story of Finding Nemo, the, the, the Nemo, the, the son, ignores his father's warnings and swims too far from the coral, coral reef, winds up getting caught by the fishermen in their net, and they take him way across the ocean all the way to Australia. But the dad goes after his son. He pursues him to the end and and he moved heaven and earth to find his son and sammy says he just remembers weeping in that movie and then walking out and 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 thinking i wish i had a dad like that i wish i'd had a dad like that who would have moved heaven and earth for me and then he said it's almost like he heard this voice of of god saying to him you do have a dad like that You, you do have a father like that i am i'm your father see none of us have honored the Father. We've all rejected his authority, but he has moved heaven and earth and is bring to find us and is bringing us home and is untangling us and is showering us with his love and with his forgiveness. And when we begin to get that gospel story into us, when we know that we are loved by God, as parents, we can begin to parent with grace. We can come alongside our children with honesty and with repentance. We can say, yeah, I know you're struggling with lust, and and I understand what that's like. I I know you're struggling with your self-image, and I know what that's like. I know that you're you're overcome by worry, and I know what that's like. I know you don't want to live under authority, and I don't want to live under authority either. I don't like it. But God is gracious, and God is forgiving me. And he's teaching me the goodness of submitting to his authority. And he's teaching me the greatness of his love. And I'm trying to show you that. And I know I fail at that. Would you please forgive me? See, what children need at the end of the day is not to see a parent who perfectly disciplines them and perfectly loves them. They need to see parents who are trying the best they are able to discipline them and trying the best they are able to love them. But the whole time they are leaning hard on Jesus Christ. And if children see that, I think in that they'll see something weighty that will draw them to honor their parents and to love their parents' Savior. Let me pray for us. Father, there's so much about this that is, that is hard for us. There's so much about this that we, that we try to do and just get wrong. Uh, and so, Father, we would just stand and thank you for your grace. Uh, that, that you do untangle family messes. Uh, and that you do... Um, you do save us by your grace, that you rescue our children in spite of our failures as parents. Uh, and that, Father, you bless us as children even when we have failed to honor you. So, God, I pray that this gospel story would, would get into us in such a way that even though we don't do it well, we would begin to strive to honor you and honor our parents. And pray in Jesus' name. 
Amen.